This is an ABC podcast. Matthew Guy's Liberal Party are preferencing Nazis, are preferencing extremists. Priority we need now is to fix our broken healthcare system. And the mood and the vibe is a matter for others. Because that's not my job. I'm Raph Epstein, the host of Drive on ABC Radio Melbourne. And I'm Richard Willingham, the ABC state political reporter here at Victoria. And this is Matters of State. This is an extraordinary election. This is your insider's guide. It's extraordinary because the major parties aren't just fighting each other. Both of the big parties, Liberal and Labor, are fighting on both flanks. They've got challenges outside of Melbourne and they've got challenges inside Melbourne, and we'll get to that later on. And it's also extraordinary because one of the parties that's vying for your vote so they can form government for the next four years hasn't even been able to tell us how much all its promises add up to. More on that later. As we record this on a Friday morning, nearly two million people have already voted. What that means is that on election day, the Saturday, probably more than half of eligible voters will already have voted. That's something we've never seen before in Australia. So if you're sitting down with your Friday night frothy or your Saturday morning coffee, we're here to help you. Let's play spot the difference between the policies. So if you're eating your pretzels, or maybe you are tucking into your bacon and eggs. Let's start with health. The Liberal Party is promising to either reboot, rebuild or build a new big health facilities in places like Maroon to Dalesford, Shepparton, Werribee. And they're also promising 40,000 extra new nurses. Labor's also promising tens of thousands of new nurses and they're offering to pay for their degrees so they can get to work. They're also promising to build new hospitals and upgrade ones in places like Warrigal, Frankston, Ringwood, Wonthaggy and a huge new facility in the heart of Melbourne to replace some of the work that Royal Melbourne does. But there's also got a big problem about the ongoing funding of the Melton Hospital, which it promised four years ago, and it's still just a patch of dirt. One thing to keep in mind, they're both promising tens of thousands of extra nurses, the Coalition promising a lot more. Over the last eight years, in the good times and the bad, the health system's actually only added 5,000 healthcare workers each year. So if you can only bring in 5,000 people each year, and Labor's promising 20,000, the Coalition's promising 40,000, I can't see how they get there. There's also been a really big focus on women's health this election. Labor, particularly in the last two weeks, have gone really hard in this space. They're offering things like extra help for period pain, some research. And interestingly, they're asking pharmacists to now take on more work. They're offering women can go to the pharmacist to get the pill without a doctor's appointment, as well as give pharmacists the power to treat UTIs without a doctor's visit. This election's got a real spark about it on energy policy. The Liberals want to use gas to get us to more renewables. They want to open up more gas exploration and they use that as a transition fuel to try and bring down costs. Labor's promise, and they think this is a winner, is to spend a billion dollars, maybe more, maybe to attract the superannuation funds to bring back a renewables-only version of the SEC, the State Electricity Corporation. Both sides are promising that their plan will reduce power bills, but as we know, be wary of politicians telling you they're going to lower your power bills because it's never really happened. Uh, Labor's saying... The Liberal Party is going to frack. The Liberal Party is saying they will never frack. Uh, and I think both sides' policy will actually end up with the same amount of gas exploration. Right, as you jump on a tram, a train or a bus, if you can get one, the Liberal Party are promising you'll only pay $2 in metropolitan Melbourne all day, every day, and a similar $2 cap will apply in the big centres across Victoria. Labor's sniffed the wind on public transport. They're going to use the $9.60 cap as it exists in Melbourne and spread it across the whole state. You'll pay no more in Wodonga as you would in Melbourne. 
there are a hell of a lot of cranes already on Melbourne's skyline. There aren't quite as many big infrastructure projects being promised, but Labor is putting all of its eggs in one basket. That is the suburban rail loop, probably the most expensive infrastructure project in Australia's history. This is the big point of difference this election, Raf. The Liberals are not going to build this project. We don't know how much this project's going to cost. It's a 90-kilometre loop. Don't know how much it's going to cost. First leg alone is $34.5 billion. The Liberals are cancelling it, and they're going to use $10.5 billion of state money from that to help the health system. There's real dispute over how much there's really there, isn't there? We just don't know. It's Because this project is spread over so many years, we just don't know what the future costs are going to be. And that inability to have both sides agree on how much a big project costs, that's a smaller version of a broader battle. How much are all of their promises going to cost? We got some information on that, but it is not what we wanted to see. Joining us now is Chanel Vella, who does what I do, but for Channel 7 and much, much better. Chanel joins us from the campaign trail. Welcome to Matters of State. Thanks so much for having me again. Lovely to be here. Chanel, we got the maths behind each side's promises yesterday. We're recording on a Friday. You were there with the coalition. What happened? So I and like everyone else on the campaign trail at the moment, we're very tired and we were given this document and I was flipping through it and I could not see the total of the election promises. And honestly, I thought it was me. I'd love to claim this as a real journalism moment, but I just thought I couldn't see it. And we were running so late in the day because the press conference started quite late. So I just asked the question. I thought I'll just get it in a grab. So can I just ask how much the total is for your election spent? How much does it add up to uh, I can't give you the top figure, but I can get that for you. Actually, add it all together in a in a moment. We haven't added it together in a single figure like that, but we can get that for you quite quickly. I just could not believe it. And for someone like David Davis, who I strongly believe, if I said to him, "Can you tell me how much the Labor Party spends on toothpicks and tissues?" <laughs> he would say four million three hundred and nine. He would know the number, but I think. He's so wrapped up in what they do all the time when it came to their own maths, he just he just didn't have it. Why is that a problem? Well, because they want government. They want to be able to take government. He wants to be the next treasurer. And that was the most obvious question. Journalists had been asking it of Matthew Guy for days, how much is your election spend? So for him not to know that number, it was mind-blowing. I couldn't believe he didn't know it. It wasn't a surprising question. It's one that should be right there at forefront of mind. You know, this is our $30 billion plan to save Victoria sort of thing. And presumably interesting because if we're talking about money that's beyond what's in the budget, the coalition is spending a lot more yeah. than what is in the budget this, when you compare them to later. This is the plan. I mean, yeah. I think just generally the costings day was a bit of a hot mess um, and there's plenty of criticism out there, from particularly from economists of both sides of politics, that there's no actual real attempts at budget repair or trying to deliver a sustainable budget. That is absolutely right. We thought, especially from the Liberal Party, we would see more of an attempt at budget repair, but they're rating the same funds that the Labor Party is. And to not have that answer to that question, I know that the Liberal Party, people in the Parliament in the Liberal Party were sending around... Uh, the Channel 7 story, Chanel, and the Channel 9 story. Uh, and the stories unusually on the TV news is, you know, Thursday night on election campaign, there were little subtitles spelling out your question and questions from others. And David Davis's inability to answer that question and the way that was described as a hot mess by those TV news bulletins, that's the stuff the Liberals were sending around to each other very close to election day. 
And after that press conference, which was there as well, their media advisor said, we'll get you the number, we'll get you the number. We were all running to deadline as it was. I think it was about 4.30 by the time we got out of there. Our afternoon bulletins were already on for seven and nine. It's, you know, I kind of, I take offence to, oh, we'll just get you the number later. That's not good enough, especially when it wasn't a surprise that they had to do this today. Liberal Party had a little bit of trouble the last weekend as well. Um, If you go back six or seven days before polling day, there were a whole lot of claims and counterclaims about who the Liberal Party was giving their preferences to ahead of the Labor Party. The Liberal Party accused of preferencing Nazis, basically. Uh, David Southwick is not only the deputy Liberal leader, he's Jewish, he represents the seat of Caulfield that has the biggest number of Jewish voters. He was really upset with the use of the word Nazi. To have the Premier and the government come out and use the term Nazi so loosely is completely inappropriate, it's desperate and it needs to stop. I'm not here to apologise for calling out uh, extremists. It's the extremists who ought to apologise for their views and frankly the Liberal Party ought to apologise for preferencing to them. Chanel, do you think that politicians are tired and fractious at the end of the campaign or do you think this goes deeper, some of this debate around the calibre of other candidates? I think they are They are tired at this point but I also think that there is there are candidates that the Liberal Party are preferencing above Labor because that's their campaign slogan, right? Put Labor last. So in going with that as a campaign slogan, there are some questionable candidates that end up above the Labor Party. But I think where it is difficult for Labor is that they were asked day after day after day, who are these candidates? If you're talking about them, name them. And they they couldn't do it. And then it went back to that again, media advisors sending around some candidates um, kind of late in the piece trying to say these are the ones that we're talking about. I would also say it's not the preference order is complicated. What's not complicated is you've effectively got on the evening news bulletins on TV the Liberal Party saying, oh, no, they're not Nazis, they're conspiracy theorists. And I, I just don't know why anybody in the Liberal Party wants to continue that conversation. The Liberal Party chose to continue that conversation. I don't think that's smart politics. I want to know from both of you, though, the perception that there are religious extremists, you know, Christians with very small C conservative views in the Liberal Party. They had issues with that over the weekend. I don't know. Do you both think, like, is that an issue for them or not? I think the issue is that there is obviously people within the Liberal Party that do have very religious views. And I think this comes back to who is the Liberal Party and what do they stand for? I don't know if they know that. I don't know if the, if they can come to, I guess, keeping their house in order on those main messages. And that's a real problem for them. And that's where they come undone and they have all this infighting that ends up out in the public. I think it reinforces the narrative. So these stories about Liberal MPs and candidates from church groups trying to so-called infiltrate the party, they're not new, but they've, they, they haven't been addressed. There's been people within the Liberal Party fighting the fight against these candidates and these, this, you know, the direction of their party. So this isn't new. This story's been going on for a long time. For it to still pop up, and I think the story with Renee Heath particularly, was there were people waving red flags months ago about her candidacy. She's got a guaranteed seat in one of the upper house regions. She's not, according to Matt, you guy, she's not going to be allowed to sit in the party he room. Doesn't... But another candidate who's very similar, who's also guaranteed a seat, more redeeming, she will be allowed to be in the party yeah, room. And he actually doesn't get to choose that. The party room chooses that. And I think there's some very interesting things going on there. I think she was out yesterday, Renee Heath, in the seat of Mulgrave, with the Liberal Democrats and some other right-wing parties. So anyway, one to watch. What do you think, Chanel? How do you think everyone 
here's this, if they can follow the detail or not, how do you think this lands with a lot of the people who haven't made up their minds? I think it, it makes it an even more difficult position. I think yesterday's costings makes it difficult. I think this constant talk about, um, you know, Nazis and extremism. You also have to remember we had those union uh, CFMEU members turn up to a Matthew Guy press conference. I don't think that looks particularly good for Labor either. They probably thought it did, but I thought it felt a bit grubby. So the voter, the undecided voter, I think some of them still remain undecided and, and won't decide until they get into that, that booth tomorrow. Chanel, before we say farewell to you, uh, we're all going to be watching to see what happens on Saturday night. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, I think that I'm going to go against what's going to happen. I don't think a minority. I think they might just scrape in Labor. Big call. Sharnel Vella from Channel 7, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now, before we give our predictions on the election result, Raph, let's have a look at the seats to watch the form guide for your Saturday night. The way I think of this, if you think of a good old-fashioned army battle on a field of battle, the Liberal Party and the Labor Party face each other across the battlefield. What's different about this election is both major parties are fighting on both of their flanks. Firstly, let's look at the inner city where it's Labor versus the Greens. This is a a battleground that's been established for quite a few election cycles now. It's really heating up. The Greens are on the march. Seats like Richmond, Northcote, Albert Park, the Greens are talking up their chances there and the Labor Party is fighting them there. Labor's also got another flank that's emerged this election and that's in the outer suburbs where they're facing challenges from suburban independents. And these are areas where people feel like, despite being safe seats, they've been neglected by the major party. I've been to these seats. It's not hard to find people there who are angry at Dan Andrews. We're talking there, especially in the West, seats like Melton, Point Cook and Werribee. Then we have Labor versus Liberal. This is the traditional title fight, who's going to run the state. And there's a whole swag of these seats, particularly in Melbourne. I would say places like Box Hill that the Labor Party won last time. And it extends all the way out through to a redrawn seat like Pakenham, which is, again, a growth corridor, but that's a Labor-Liberal seat. One thing to watch, if the Liberal majority is really coming, the good old-fashioned sandbelt seats, the seats that run along the Frankston line, the Liberal Party's probably got to win a few there if they want to form majority government. It's very much east of the Yarra. Then the coalition's got two separate flank fights. You've got the Liberal Party especially fighting the city independents, the Teals, most of those within the federal electorate of Kuyong. So we've got Kew, which Tim Smith's now departing. There's problems there for Liberals. There's Hawthorne, where the Liberals are trying to not only knock off the Labor Party, but hold off the Teals to win. John Pesuto wants to come back. Another one to really keep an eye on on Saturday night is Mornington, where there's a new Liberal candidate there, and there's a Dr Kate Lardner is running really hard there. Now, she's been, had COVID this week. She hasn't been able to be on pre-poll. And the final flank that we need to talk about the coalition are fighting some significant country independence. Yeah, this is this is twofold. They're trying to win ground off country independence, particularly the nationals in Mildura, Shepparton and Morwell. But they're also on the defensive in Benambra, which is Wodonga Bay seat, and Southwest Coast, which is in Warrnambool, from country independence trying to make their mark. Okay, Rich, it is time to lay our cards on the table, Mr. Willingham. What are we going to wake up with on Sunday morning? This is very fraught, of course. This is very hard to pick. It's a mugs game to pick these things because polls might show you statewide votes, which shows Labor is on track to win. But as we've just discussed, there's five different fronts. There's going to be swings left, right and centre. I think Labor is going to fall into minority government. I think they're going to win between 43 and 44 seats, maybe get home with a 45, so just a majority government. That's my view. I think crossbench will be about 10 seats and the Liberals will be mid-30s. 
I am not willing to actually make a significant prediction. I'm putting a gun to your head, Raf, right now. <laughs> no, I think there is there's an a equal, gun to your head. <laughs> there is an equal chance of either Labor majority or Labor minority, and we have to recognise. So the Sky debate's interesting. Get it's off the fence, Raf. Twenty-eight people hadn't made up their minds, right? So a Liberal majority is still possible. It's very unlikely, but let's put that over there. Liberal majority government possible, but very unlikely. It's the third option. It is definitely, and it's the you know way away over there. I do think there is an even chance of either a Labor majority government or a Labor minority government. As I'm talking to you, right, maybe 45% of the people who are going to vote still haven't voted. A big chunk of them haven't made up their mind. Maybe they will be influenced by whatever they see in the paper, watch on their phone. I still think it's an equal chance that it's either Dan Andrews' majority returned with a reduced majority or maybe a weakened minority Labor government. And I think the point you've just made about so many people haven't voted and aren't engaged, that's what's giving the coalition hope. They believe that if people who aren't engaged walk into the polling booth on Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, they go, oh, gee, I've got to vote. They go in, what do they think about state politics? They go, Daniel Andrews. For some of them, it'll be like, yep, he's all right, I'll go him again. Others will be going, oh, no, he's the lockdown guy. I don't want that. So I think that is the, the great unknown, the known unknown, that's the big one. It's very clear the Liberal strategy is they might not like Matt Guy, but they really despise Dan Andrews. That's the Liberal strategy. Labor's got a bit more of a complicated strategy. Sure, you might not like Dan Andrews, but you actually in Victoria trust Labor to get things done. And Labor's also relying on this. You don't like Matthew Guy. Also, if you're a swinging voter, you don't trust the Liberal brand. You don't trust them to deliver the things that you really want. I think that's where the Labor strategy rests. That's it for Matters of State this week. Don't forget to vote. Don't forget to vote. And remember, after you've voted at the ballot box, you've got one more important choice on election night. TV or radio? Richard's going to be part of the ABC TV panel. Virginia Trioli will be hosting our radio coverage and I will be reporting into both from Key Electrics. You can get the ABC's results and analysis on your telly, on your radio, on the ABC Listen app, online, and if you're outside of Victoria, on news radio nationally. Turn them all on. Turn them all on, because too much politics is never enough. Next week, Rich and I will be back with a final Matters of State to analyse the result. Happy Election Day! Vote one, Melbourne Demons, great day, public. <laughs>